0: Welcome to this podcast, this is Classical Music Decoded with me, Dino Madrumuthu. In this podcast, we take a closer look at popular pieces of classical music in order to better understand them. In this episode, we turn our gaze towards Tchaikovsky's Fifth Symphony. Tchaikovsky is sometimes referred to as the tortured giant of Russian music. It's a apt description, as many of his compositions convey a sense not just of deeply felt emotion but of emotional distress and deep melancholy. The Symphony No. 5 is no exception to this. It's a beautiful symphony that leaves a deep impression. Or at least, that's the effect it had on me. In 1884, Tchaikovsky bought a house in the countryside outside Moscow. For the next few years it seems he enjoyed a life of pleasant indolence, where he did a lot of gardening but little composing. He was in any event recognized as Russia's foremost composer, but despite this he still felt he had a point to prove. In 1888 he wrote a letter to his patron Nadezhda von Meck in which he said I am dreadfully anxious to prove not only to others but to myself that I am not yet played out as a composer. He wrote that as he began composing his Fifth Symphony. A month before Tchaikovsky jotted down a few notes about the work in his journal. The first movement he said described reproaches against XXX. What was this XXX, this thing that Tchaikovsky refused to name? Some historians and biographers speculate that it might have been his sexual orientation. Tchaikovsky was gay and given the times He kept this a secret from all but those closest to him. There's a recurring theme in this symphony and he wrote that it indicated complete resignation before fate, before the inscrutable predestination of providence. So for this podcast, I will call that theme the fate theme. The first movement starts with that theme. It's meant to be played andante, meaning gently, at an unhurried tempo rather like at walking pace. It's a bit mournful and is introduced by the clarinet. After the Fate theme is introduced, the main theme of the movement makes its first appearance. This is the backbone of the movement and is meant to be played allegro con anima, meaning lively in a spirited way. There's another slower, less forceful section in this first movement. It's a beautiful melody played by the strings. When you listen to this movement in its entirety, pay attention to how this section releases the tension that has built up over the preceding parts. For the rest of this movement, the first theme, the main theme, returns and is played on the bassoon and the other woodwinds join in. And it ends with a rather ominous section on the low strings. In the second movement, there's an introduction by the strings before the entrance of a serenely beautiful theme played on the French horn. This part of the movement is marked andante cantabile, meaning that it's to be played at a gentle tempo and that the melody should imitate the characteristics of the human voice, as if the melody is being sung. There's a second section introduced by the oboe with the French horn accompanying the oboe. Lobo theme is taken up by the clarinet and other instruments and the orchestra also gets in on the act. The music grows in intensity and volume and reaches a climax just in time for the re-entry of this. That of course is the fate theme that was introduced at the beginning of the first movement. Here it sounds bombastic and jarring, completely at odds with the mood of the second movement so far. After the fate theme, the horn theme that opened the movement returns, but this time is played by the strings. It restores the soothing, nostalgic mood but not for long, for the bombast of the fate theme makes another appearance before it's displaced to bring the movement to a quiet end. Tchaikovsky was an excellent composer of waltzes. Take a listen to the waltz of the flowers from The Nutcracker, or the waltz from Act 1 of Swan Lake, or the waltz from his Serenade for Strings. Maybe he was the real waltz king. The third movement demonstrates Tchaikovsky's ability to write irresistible waltzes. The strings introduced the melody, which, like almost all the composers' melodies, is so beautiful. It's then taken up by the woodwinds. Here's that gorgeous languid opening melody. The second section enters with a series of quick short notes on the violins. It's imitated by the cellos and then by the flutes and other woodwinds. This melody is passed from one group of instruments to another. The Fate theme enters and brings the movement to a conclusion, like Fate having the final say. Unlike in the previous movements, Fate's entrance is not brash and overbearing, instead it's quiet and measured and hovers in the background. The fourth movement starts with the fate theme, played by the cellos. But it sounds somewhat happier, more optimistic. It doesn't sound mournful like in the first movement, nor overbearing as in the second movement. This part of the movement is marked Andante Maestoso, meaning it's to be played at a moderate tempo but must feel majestic, rather like a royal procession. And that's exactly the feeling you get when the theme is passed from the cellos to the trumpets. Mm A crescendo on the kettle drums ushers in a very lively and energetic section that opens with this part played by the strings. Brass features prominently. There are quieter parts that provide some respite from all this frenzied activity, but these quiet parts don't last long. Here's one of the quieter moments. Just as it seems the movement has come to an end, The fate theme returns and is played as a march and it calls to mind a victory parade. The movement, and indeed this work, ends with a brass fanfare undergirded by a very forceful march. That was Tchaikovsky's Symphony No. 5, a work that clearly showcases the composer's gift for writing these fantastic melodies. Generally, Tchaikovsky's music has been criticised for its lack of structural rigour. While this is a valid criticism, I believe Tchaikovsky's music is better for it. He allows the music to breathe freely without being stifled by an overemphasis on structure. There are some notable recordings of the Symphony No. 5 by the Soviet conductor Yevgeny Mravinsky working with the Leningrad Philharmonic Orchestra and there's also one by Maris Janssens and the Oslo Philharmonic Orchestra. Incidentally, Janssens was one of Mravinsky's students. The recording I used is by the Simon Bolivar Youth Orchestra of Venezuela conducted by Gustavo Dudamel. This is Classical Music Decoded with me Dino Madrumutu. I hope you enjoyed this episode on Tchaikovsky's Symphony No. 5. This podcast was produced by Cantata Media. Feel free to listen to the other podcasts in the series.